In this year of mercy, we have taken some time these last weeks to speak about the corporal works of mercy, the ways in which we are called to show mercy to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this morning, I'd like to focus on our call to be merciful to those who are in prison, to visit those who are in prison. Most of you probably know that part of my ministry involves uh, visiting prisons and correctional facilities in Washington County. That's part of my assignment as a deacon in the archdiocese. And so I'm regularly visiting those places. And so I'd like to share a little bit about what that's like with you and talk a little bit about this corporal work of mercy that calls us to visit those in prison. And I'd like to begin with a short passage from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. And St. Paul says this, Be mindful of prisoners as if sharing their imprisonment, and of the ill-treated as of yourselves, for you are also in the body. Well, this month of October is also Respect Life Month. And as we talk about life and we talk about mercy, we talk about the corporal works of mercy, we really need to begin at the same place, and that is with an understanding of the dignity of all human life, from conception to natural death. And that dignity extends even to those who have offended in our society. We're all made in the image and likeness of God, and so that's where we begin, always, with any kind of discussion of the corporal works of mercy. And there are two laws that govern us in the way that we operate in our society. One is the law of justice, which is what a person deserves in the eyes of the law. Now, we have probably all seen and heard about um, people who have offended in our society. We read about these things every day in the newspaper. We hear about them on television. And there is a sense in which when someone has committed an offense against society, there is a price that has to be paid. And in our society, we have laws that set forth the penalties for those who have offended. And it's very important for us to always keep that perspective that when somebody has done something wrong, they have to be punished. There has to be justice in that way. The other law is the law of mercy. What does this person deserve in the eyes of God as God looks at them and sees them? And that's sometimes a little tougher for us to get to, especially when someone has offended. Well, the backdrop I'd like to use this morning for this discussion is the story of the prodigal son. We all know this story very well. We heard it proclaimed here in church just a few weeks ago. And I'll tell you that this is my go-to passage when I'm visiting with someone in a correctional facility especially someone who is very broken and is feeling very, very bad about what they have done. They're looking for something to hold on to. I open that Bible to Luke chapter 15, and I share with them the story of the prodigal son. And we know in that story that the younger son takes his inheritance and runs off and squanders it. And there's a moment of conversion that happens after he's lost all his money, he's lost everything, and he realizes what he has done. And he says those words, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
That, my brothers and sisters, is his moment of conversion. And after realizing that, he goes back to his father expecting justice, expecting to be treated like one of the hired servants. And instead, he receives mercy. The father has been waiting for him, has been longing for him, has been watching for him. And when he sees him far off down the road, he runs to him and embraces him and brings him home. In this beautiful gospel passage, we begin to understand the virtue of hope, that regardless of how lost someone is, regardless of how far they have wandered, we always need to hold out that hope for that person, that there can be a conversion, there can be a reunion, there can be a welcoming back home. And I will tell you it's that hope that keeps me coming to these facilities week in and week out to minister uh, to our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated. Well, how do we show mercy to those who have harmed us? That's a challenge for us. It's certainly a challenge for me. In these last six months, in my own family, two of my family members have been victims of violent crimes. Now, praise God, both of them have uh, come out of this virtually unharmed physically, but there are emotional wounds that will take some time to heal. So I understand on a personal level what it's like to be a victim of crime. In my professional life, I work with people who have offended in more of a judgment kind of a way, in a justice kind of a way, and so I have to deal with them on that basis. And then I go into these facilities and I have to bring the mercy of God to those people who have offended. I'll tell you one quick story about a young man that I met in a correctional facility. It's a beautiful story about conversion. I met Jonathan over a year ago in a correctional facility I was visiting. It was actually before I was ordained. And I got to see Jonathan over the course of many months because he was incarcerated in this facility for a long time awaiting a sentencing for a very serious offense that he had committed. And Jonathan told me that when he went into that facility, he did not really believe in God very much. He had some sense of God, had some faith growing up, but didn't really have a strong sense of faith. Well, he picked up a Bible, as many people do in correctional facilities, and he started reading, and he kept reading, and he kept reading, and bit by bit, the Word of God began to take root in his heart. And there was a conversion. He realized that those words were meant for him. And his heart was changed. And as his heart was changed, not only did he read his own Bible in his cell, but he began to evangelize to others in the facility. He became a very popular partner at the table for conversation. Jonathan had an insatiable appetite for the Word of God. He used to pepper me with questions. Every time we'd meet, he'd have his Bible open and he'd have notes and he'd ask me questions, most of which I couldn't answer uh, because he was quite a scholar. Jonathan became a Christian. He was baptized while he was in that facility. And I think the biggest and most beautiful part of his conversion 
was that Jonathan had come to what we call an inner peace, a peace that the world can't give us. He knew that he was a child of God. He accepted that whatever was going to happen to him was God's will, and he was ready to do that. Well, a beautiful model for us of this kind of mercy is St. Teresa of Calcutta. And she says this, The world today is hungry, not only for bread, but for love. They're hungry to feel the presence of Christ. When I pick up a hungry person from the streets, I give him rice and bread, and I've satisfied that hunger. But a person who is shut out, a person who feels unwanted from society, unloved and terrified, how much more difficult is it to remove that hunger? When we talk about visiting those who are in prison, I think we can widen our lens a little bit this morning and talk about people that we may know in our own lives who are suffering from other kinds of prisons, from prisons of addiction, from prisons of loneliness and isolation, from prisons of mental illness, prisons that don't have those iron bars but are every bit as confining for people. Now, my brothers and sisters, God is calling some of us here to go into correctional facilities and visit people. But I have to tell you, you can't just walk into a correctional facility and say, I'm here to see people. You wouldn't be allowed in. There's a process of being cleared, and there's a whole process that people go through. And frankly, most of us will not enter a correctional facility, and that's okay. But the question is, how is God calling me to act out this corporal work of mercy of visiting those in prison? Mother Teresa says this about how God works with us in terms of our actions. She says, the fullness of our heart comes in our actions. How I treat the leper, how I treat that dying person, how I treat the homeless. Sometimes it is more difficult to work with the street people than with the people in our homes for the dying. We need to be pure of heart to see Jesus in the person of the spiritually poorest. Therefore, the more disfigured the image of God is in that person, the greater will be our faith and devotion in seeking Jesus' face and lovingly ministering to him. The more repugnant the work, the greater the effect of love and cheerful service. Whatever you do, even if you help somebody cross the road, you do it to Jesus. Where do we get the strength? Where do you and I get the strength to do this? Not on our own, not on my best day, not on my own. We get the strength here from the word that we hear proclaimed and the sacrament that we receive in this Mass. That's where the strength comes to see past the disguising mask, to see the face of Christ in that person who is so broken and so difficult sometimes for us to encounter. So what is Jesus asking you and I to do in this corporal work of mercy? Well, I think the first thing for all of us is to begin to recognize that inherent dignity that is in each one of us as a child of God to suspend that judgment 
that I know I want to give sometimes. To open our hearts to the lost and broken among us. They're everywhere. We don't have to go far to look. And there are all kinds of prisons. To pray for the grace to see with new eyes, to be able to look past that distressing figure to see Christ. And to always hold out that light of hope for everyone. Even the person who grates on our nerves, who makes us really frustrated and angry, and we wish and we wish and we wish they would change. God can change them. We need to pray that that would happen. And we need to be willing to be uncomfortable This is not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult, and we need to be willing to be uncomfortable, to stretch, to see the face of Christ in that person. When I walk into Stillwater Prison, which I will do tomorrow evening, I carry Jesus in a clear Tupperware container. I do that because the guards in the place need to be able to see what I'm bringing in. Now, Jesus is not afraid of the iron bars or the metal detectors or the guards. He's not afraid of the fiercest person in Stillwater Prison. He walks past all of that, and I get to bring him along with me. And the conference room becomes a chapel, and the conference table becomes an altar, and myself and the men that I'm with become the body of Christ, the church even in that place. My brothers and sisters, we can pray for those who are confined, for those who are in prisons and correctional facilities, for those who are in prisons of other kinds, and for their families and loved ones. We can pray for those who work in these facilities. They're very dangerous places, and it's very difficult work. We can pray for an end of violence in our world. And we can pray for the courage to be Christ to those in prisons. Amen.